You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 4, Episode 4. How's it going there in Pittsburgh, Carissa? We had a heck of a storm last night, but it has cleared up and is sunny and beautiful today. Uh, So things are going pretty well. How are they in New Jersey? Uh, Same here. We had a terrible storm last night. I was driving home from the uh, restaurant where I typically watch Steelers games, and I heard that there was a tornado warning in Manhattan and the Bronx. Do people there get as all up in arms about tomato warnings? (laughs) Tornado warnings. (laughs) I'm allergic to tomatoes, ladies and gentlemen, so that actually makes that funnier. Um, (laughs) Anyway, do people in New Jersey get as crazy about tornado warnings as people in Pittsburgh do? I have no idea because I don't think they ever get tornado warnings here in New York and New Jersey. I could be wrong. I've only been here two and a half years but it just, it shocked me because, I, I mean, I think in my lifetime living in Western PA, I think there were, there was one, maybe two tornadoes. I mean, they don't happen there either, but they do get the warnings. Yeah, but every time there's a tornado warning here, people are convinced they're going to die and quickly. It's it's a weird, weird phenomenon for someone who grew up in Kansas. I'm like, eh, until I can hear the tornado like outside my house, I'm not going to worry too much. I'll just hang out in the basement. Auntie M, Auntie M. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, I've never heard that one before. Bring on the Wizard of Oz jokes. There, I'm sure you've got new ones that nobody's ever tried. That was my sarcasm voice for the record. Yes. No, I, I, I know that they're not new. That's exactly <laughs> why I'm using them on you. You're so rude. You're so rude. So, hey, um, speaking of tornado warnings, it's Christ the King Sunday this week. Whoa, what? (laughs) Christ the King Sunday. This is one of my favorites. I think you probably know. Tell me more. Um, Well, Christ the King Sunday, as you know, Alan, but maybe not all of our listeners do, is the last Sunday of the liturgical year in the Christian tradition. That means, or rather in most Christian traditions, there are certain, um, certain lines in the, the family tree of Christianity that um, have slightly different calendars, but the most common church calendar begins on the first Sunday of Advent, which is the four Sunday countdown to Christmas. And so the last Sunday before Advent is called Christ the King Sunday. Would you like to take a wild crack at what we celebrate that Sunday? Um, I don't know. Do you sing Old Lang Syne at the end of the worship service? Will you count down instead of a call to worship? Oh, neat. Um, I'm guessing that we celebrate the Lordship of Christ. There you go. uh, The idea is that God is all powerful. And, uh, I actually heard a great description of this, uh, on a podcast this morning, uh, I'm quoting Caroline Lewis here. Um, Christ the King is a day to affirm God's reign over empires 
that do not hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a day to say, this is the kingdom we are affirming. This is the kingdom we're working toward. I really like that. And I would argue that all empires are empires that are not uh, working toward righteousness and, and justice, or at least not um, entirely or uh, well. So that's a, that is a, uh, a tough, a tough charge there though. Yeah, absolutely. That was why I paused the podcast and wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one for sure. Um, and you know, as we have talked over the past few weeks, um, this is a time when it's really important for us to remember the limitations of human government. Yeah, it, Absolutely, it is. And I think uh, this fits in with our theme of soft idolatry because we unwittingly make idols of our leaders, our forms of government, and we don't question empire, especially when it benefits us. Yeah. Um, in our morning prayer group at church, we've been going through a book called Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. And it does follow along um, with the liturgical seasons. And in this week leading up to Christ the King Sunday, uh, we began today by um, talking about the the Lordship of Christ. And um, there was a quote from Athenagoras um, who said of the early church, they charge us on two points, that we do not sacrifice and that we do not believe in the same gods as the state. Mm. I really liked that, um, that particular quote about believing in the same gods as the state. Sometimes we make the state our god, or sometimes we buy into things like capitalism, commercialism, um, ind individualism, um, all those things that are like, you know, good old American qualities that aren't necessarily evil in and of themselves, but we tend to lift them up higher than Christi Christianity, than, than Christ. No, no arguments here. I think that's uh, why we are podcasting today. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, this really does mark this idea that we are part of something bigger and part of something different, that we are set apart from the world, not for the purpose of being apart, but for the purpose of transforming the world. And since we are in Matthew's gospel, all of this should necessarily always point us back to what, Carissa? To which chapter? To which chapter of Matthew? Yeah. Oh, five? Yes, the I'm Beatitudes. Not good with numbers. <laughs> yes, this this should always point us back to the Beatitudes when Jesus announces the presence of the kingdom of God breaking in and announces the blessings for all of the people who don't really fit into the world as it was at the moment or as it is now. People like the poor or the meek, or the brokenhearted. Uh, Jesus is announcing that there is, to put this in Catholic parlance, 
a preferential option for those folks and that it is our job as Christ followers to minister to those people to proclaim this good news that they are uplifted. Well, and if you, um, speaking of Catholic parlance and a preferential uh, leaning toward the poor, uh, Gustavo Gutierrez would tell us that um, in seeking the, the freedom and hope for the poor, we find our own as well that we can't truly understand Easter hope without dying to ourselves in that way. I'd say that about sums it up. <laughs> I'm summing up a lot of things well today. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now, I, that's, you know, this past Sunday, we wrestled with the parable of the talents. And I know personally, I have always had a little trouble with it because it seems harsh or unfair to the third slave who, you know, did return what belonged to his master. But I started thinking about it some more and uh, I wondered if maybe the outer darkness with the weeping and gnashing of teeth was not some eternal place of punishment, some external hell, but rather simply our present reality without relationship, our present reality of isolation. Mm -hmm. And the third slave just never really embraced the idea of the inbreaking kingdom of God. And I think that that carries through with all of the uh, all of the things that Jesus says in this Sunday's gospel reading that is sometimes called the judgment of the nations or the parable of the sheep and the goats, though truthfully, it's not a parable. I, that's really interesting um, that you mentioned that the, you know, the dark place there that it feels like he's describing hell, right, as, as isolation because uh, I've never quite thought of it this way before. You know, I tend to think of heaven as not just one specific linear place in, in time and space, but rather something that can break into where we're at now. Doesn't it make sense then that the same would be true for hell? Whatever you want to describe hell as, that could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Um it, it really could. And I was actually discussing this with a couple of my colleagues here in Freehold today. And one of them said, oh, you're just really recycling C.S. Lewis, aren't you? And I said, dad, I don't know. Yeah, there are there are worse theologians to recycle. You know, that would have been my response. Like, maybe. Is, is this problematic? <laughs> I, I didn't make it past the Chronicles of Narnia, so. Oh, buddy. How? How did you get through seminary and never? It wasn't assigned in any of the classes that I took. Well, that's fair. And I was about to say, didn't you read anything more than you were assigned? But you didn't even always read what you were assigned. So. 
whatever are you implying, Carissa? <laughs> I don't think I implied anything. <laughs> I directly <laughs> stated the facts. I graduated with some sort of honors, I think. You did. You did. Um, you did. You did pretty well. There's an art to learning what exactly you need to skim. That is so true. And yeah, I had that down pat before seminary. So, you know, some of the uh, systematic theology classes were a bit opaque and Hebrew was really hard for me. But, you know, <laughs> otherwise I had been well prepared for seminary. So I think we're a little bit off on a rabbit trail here. Um, what I, I've been musing about this this week. Um, I, I'm wondering for you, what, if anything, is different for you in celebrating Christ the King in today's circumstances versus before? So we've talked about, you know, it's the Lordship of Christ. It's it's the reign of God, um, the defeat of, of human empires. But how does that look different this year? This year is like other recent years, but even it is even more profoundly obvious this year how divided we are as a society. And I remember debating something political with a friend, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And he said, you can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. And now, more than ever, it feels like, no, no, we can have our own set of facts, and we can have our alternate realities. And it makes me wonder and sometimes despair a little that if we are called to build this kingdom of God here on earth and we are operating from a different set of facts with other people who also believe they are called to build the kingdom of God here on earth, then we're going to have a lot of problems building that kingdom. Mm. And certainly in all of the congregations that I've served, I have consistently preached this idea of identity in Christ. And I think part of what I am hoping to get agreement on is the first set of facts that are consistent for all of us. I mean, we have 1,700 years worth of confessional statements, which in theory we all agree on, but... You know, that's, uh, that's a lot of teaching, and I don't know if we're going to have tons of sermons on the Nicene Creed. I'm not going to lie. I've preached on the Nicene Creed. <laughs> <laughs> I have used the Nicene Creed in worship. <laughs> I've used it in worship. I haven't preached a sermon, but I've, I've referenced it and talked about what it is and connected it to things. Um in a sermon before, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, it, this is a good time to remember that that one um, binding force, the one principle that we all 
agree on, and that is that Jesus is Lord. That is the kingship of God is, um, is the foundation of our identity. I had an interesting conversation with my kids when they were pretty little. Um, for a while, I'd worked in uh, the youth ministry office at a large uh, mega church in, in the nearby. And even after um, we went, got back to our Presbyterian roots, it was not a Presbyterian church. And uh, this might have even been when I was in seminary. Uh, we kept sending our kids to their kids club program there because it was great. They taught them all sorts of Bible stories. They sang songs. They played games. They really enjoyed seeing their friends there. Um, and it gave us a night to go out without the kids and have dinner together quietly in a restaurant. And back in the days, remember the days of restaurants? Uh, yes. So <laughs> I also know your kids and a quiet dinner is all but impossible. It's, yeah, it's not good. So, um yeah, and but one night we were we were driving home, and one of them I don't even remember which one said, you know, tonight we talked about creation, and I said, oh well, that's nice. They said, yeah, but they they told it different, and I said, what did you mean? What do you mean they told it different? They said, well, they said that that um, evolution isn't real, and that God literally created the earth in six or six days. <laughs> and, I and I was like, oh, and they're like, but that's not what the way we use that story. That's not how we tell it. Um, and I said, you're right. Um, we, you know, we in our tradition um, and in our family uphold that, you know, God can create through things like evolution and science. And, you know, why does the Big Bang Theory mean there was no God? How do you, you know? I heard someone recently refer to the Big Bang of the Trinitarian relationship, and that's why relationship is woven into every atom of the universe, which is kind of a cool idea. Um, and and so we had this great conversation about how, um, you know, yeah, we we take that as poetry to describe the why of our being, not the how of our being. And I said, but when you pray, how do you pray? And they said, well, we pray to God in the name of Jesus. I said, yeah, so do we. I said, you know, and um, who's Lord of all? And they said, well, Jesus. I said, well, as long as we can agree on that point, we still have lots of ways that we can worship together and pray together and study together. Um, knowing that that's, that's the thing that connects us to one another. Kind of like the force? Kind of, yeah. Kind of like that. Almost exactly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Flows through us. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching the new season of The Mandalorian? Not to get us off in the weeds again. I, I have not, and I'm not going to go into that in the podcast. Oh, dear. Oh, he has he has uh, feelings, ladies and gentlemen. He has some opinions about this. We'll have to have a chat later. <laughs> He's shaking his head. No opinions. Yeah, that, that's a good reminder of the things that bind us, even with people who, well, let's just say they hold some ideas that I find... Um, challenging to remain in community with them and i think that there are uh, a lot of people even in our own congregations 
who whose realities are so shaped by the sources of news that they choose that it really just highlights the problem of agreeing on anything. Right. Yeah, I think that the the important part is once we've centered our, our identity in having difficult conversations is to, you know, start by agreeing on facts or how are you going to define a fact? Like where are your sources? You know, how many, you know, where are you getting this from? And learning how to talk about those things without being offended if something we've heard isn't right. Um, you know, like it's it's okay if you heard something somewhere or saw it on some news channel and it, and they were wrong. That doesn't make you a bad person. Um, what well, is you wrong? Know, you know what I think of the whole good person, bad person dichotomy anyhow. Well, I mean, so if we're going to be good reformed theologians here, we have to say that we are all depraved. <laughs> we're all bad people, mm -hmm. right? But what I'm saying is that there's nothing, um, you know, there's nothing inherently bad about um, hearing something that was untrue and believing it, right? That doesn't. That doesn't make you less of a person or, or bad or however you It doesn't you frame make that. you less beloved in the eyes of God. Yes, thank you. It doesn't make you less a child of God. It doesn't make you less important or anything like that. Um, but where we need to be cautious that we might hurt people or um, champion dangerous ideas is when we're unwilling to say, oh, I got that from a bad source. Yeah, and really getting it back to the text, this is a story, I'll, I'll use the word parable, though, technically not exactly a parable. This is a parable about certainty, and this is a parable that calls into question the human idea of certainty, because both the people who acted with kindness and mercy and provided for the suffering Jesus and the people who chose not to act with kindness and mercy and provide for the suffering Jesus. Both of those groups had no idea that they were or were not doing for Jesus. Yes. Uh, I have another story to tell. I know we're all shocked by this. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I am a storyteller at heart. Um, when I was around 10 or 11, um, something like that. So my sister would have been around nine, eight or nine. My, my dad was the, the pastor at the local church and our house was the manse, which was across the street from the church back in the day when most churches still had manses. And one day dad was walking home from the church and this cat dropped out of a tree, the little kitten, and followed him across the street home again. And it arrived, it was in September, it was right around my sister's birthday. And the kitten was injured and we already had like three dogs and two cats or something insane like that. And, um, you know, my parents did the right thing and took the cat, the cat to get fixed up at the vet because it had this, this big wound that needed to be tended to. And uh, they were debating whether or not to keep this cat. 
And my sister said, doesn't the Bible say that you're supposed to take care of everyone because you never know when it might be Jesus? <laughs> we had that cat for 18 years. Because <laughs> how do you argue with that? Like that is some solid, solid logic right there. It's some, it's some solid theology right there. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. We don't don't know who's Jesus and who's not. Yeah, we, we, we don't know. And, you know, that was also a big, um, the, the idea of we don't know the suffering Christ when we see him or her um, is a, uh, a big thing in my journey as well. Um, I, I had an awful job with an awful boss who used to uh, just bitch and moan about the people we worked with. It was a temp agency and I was a customer service rep. And most of the people that we found work for were addicts and alcoholics. And they were just tremendously unreliable. It was a difficult place to work. And uh, he would come, he was the branch manager and he would come in sometimes just fuming about some stupid thing one of the workers had done. And he'd lock the door and we had plastic chairs all over the, the reception area and, uh, you know, plastic lawn chairs. And he would just start picking them up and throwing them Bobby Knight style and kicking them and yelling and screaming, you know, um, well, I, if I, if I did it, you'd get a real workout on the bleep button, but, uh, just a long string of profanities about these awful stupid people uh as he would put it and it was like funny for five minutes and then it wasn't and and then it was wow i don't know what's inside of you pal but um there is only so much yelling and screaming you can do before you say i'm working in the wrong place or you might say huh that person is suffering too. And maybe, maybe that's what the suffering Christ looks like when he or she walks through the door. Yeah. Yeah. We just always need to be on the lookout because we don't, we don't know. We don't. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that any of those, uh, any of those, temporary laborers were in fact the second coming but the ethic there is how you treat them is how you treat jesus right and that was i mean i had i had only in the last year started back to church after being away for a long long time and that hit me i was like oh man this is one of those lessons isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah, it sure is. So, uh, you know, it, it's... If you can't get outside of your own bubble, if you have constructed your own reality and it does not have 
God or Jesus at the center, then it is some form of idolatry because you will either be making an idol of yourself or you will be coveting all of those wonderful things that you don't have and you will be um, stoking the fires of commercialism or what have you. But yeah, you have to learn to see that. And I know it was a big revelation for me. And, you know, just like the the uh, injured kitten story, you know, you, you, you have these moments of clarity and you realize that uh, it's not just what you do and it's not just what you believe, but it is how you follow Jesus. I think that surprises people too, when we follow Jesus in that way, you know, um, mm-hmm. I know you know this, but a number of years back, gosh, probably 15 years, not quite 15 years ago now, um, we took in a, a teenager who we'd known from youth group. We'd mentored him for a while. And uh, one day when he was about 17, he called us up. He said, they're emancipating me from my mom and they're going to put me in a group home because I don't have any other family. And that would have just been... That would have been a death sentence for him. I I truly believe that it would have been, if not imminent, that would have, it would have been bad. Um, So we said, well, where do we sign? (laughs) And he's been with us. I mean, he's not, he doesn't live with us still. He's 30, but, um, you know, he's been part of our family since then. And when we, when he first came to live with us, people were like really taken aback and we got an awful lot of pats on the head and patronizing. Oh, it's good for you. How how good of you to take in this kid? I'm thinking, are we reading the same Bible? Because we didn't have a reason not to other than our own comfort. Uh, we knew him. He was a known entity. It wasn't like we thought he was going to be dangerous for our family or anything like that. So I think it surprises people when we do stuff like that, When we when we do feed the hungry and clothe the naked and house the homeless. Yeah. That when, when we welcome the stranger or the foreigner mm-hmm. and that really, I, I actually didn't realize that was how Brandon came to be a part of your family. I did not realize you had that church connection to him. Um, don't know how we never had that conversation. I but... don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but but I suppose too, by the time we got to know one another personally, he was no longer living in the house with yeah. you, I think. Yeah, he um, was he was grown and out of the house by the time I went to seminary. But I knew your in-laws before I knew you, and so I had heard some stories. Yeah. Yeah. There were stories. It wasn't, it wasn't always an easy road. It's still not always an easy road. No, no, it isn't. But what you did was radical hospitality. And it it is the kind of thing that, you know, if you put that in a sermon, your congregation will love to hear the story and Probably none of them will volunteer to do the same thing. 
because so often the pastor is the holy one and the pastor accomplishes the holiness for the congregation or at least that was the old model for church yeah and that's actually why i don't tr- i try not to use stories like that in my sermons uh, if i use a story about myself in a sermon it's usually about something i screwed up because I don't want to be that. I want to. I want my sermons to point to the kingship of Christ, to God's reign, and not to what a great person I am and how good I am at following Jesus. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You can never be the hero of your own sermon. And if it seems to be going in that direction, you need to point out that it is because of the intervention of the Holy Spirit that you can put yourself in the story like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I don't I don't tell that to say that, you know, we're awesome people or even that we're great parents. Um, I don't think we're terrible parents, but I'm sure we've I'm sure our kids will be talking about us in therapy one day. Um, I know I'm talking about my parents in therapy. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> but um, but but rather to like the, just the way people reacted to that, as you put it, radical hospitality like they're like wow that's we we see the good in that and we're not going to do it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's i one of the things that i have reached at all of my congregations is if you want to grow and growth can mean many different things um but if you want to grow in your faith you have to get outside of your comfort zone. And uh, as I look at your situation with taking in Brandon, you were outside of your comfort zone in many, many ways. And, and even more outside of the comfort zones of many of the people we have served as pastors. Yeah, we went from having one child to having four. or Yeah, from having one to having four in the matter of like two years. Um, cause he came to live with, we had one, my daughter mm-hmm. from my first marriage and then Gloria was born a year later, Brandon came to live with us and a year later, Levi was born. That was dumb. Don't do that. Ladies and gentlemen, space it out a little better. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, um, I think this connects and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, the space that I am sitting in this Christ the King and the way that I am sitting with the kingship of of Christ this week as as we move into the end of the year here is uh, the idea that no matter what sort of trials we're dealing with be it a homeless teenager moving into your house or a kitten showing up right or whatever a, a bad you know, angry, not necessarily bad, angry boss yelling and throwing (laughs) lawn chairs around the office, you know, whatever those are. Um, This Sunday is here to remind us that God is still in charge. And I often use it as a time to talk to folks about the liturgical calendar and the seasons and, and why we have those seasons in the church rhythm. They're not just like arbitrary ways to regiment stuff. 
They're, they're ways to feel the rhythm and the flow and remind us of these important themes of scripture and theology as we move along. And um, I think that, you know, in another year or two, uh, God willing, when, you know, things are getting back to normal and we're not wearing masks everywhere, we'll be talking about, do you remember that holiday season that was so hard because we couldn't have Thanksgiving with our whole family like we normally do? Or we couldn't fly to visit somebody. Or we, we didn't get to sing Christmas carols at church the Sunday after Christmas or on Christmas Eve. Um, and it'll make those moments so much sweeter when we look back and say, but God brought us through that. Amen. That, I think that's all I got today. That's that's why I said amen. Okay, excellent. <laughs> We're on the same page. Amen and amen. Um, well, I'm happy to call that a wrap then, um, but I'm not happy to wrap. It's not pretty. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I like gift bags because I don't like to wrap. <laughs> Well, we both, we're both, we both are very funny. Um, would you mind praying and then I will talk us out of here? Let us pray. Gracious God, too often we fail to admit, fail to proclaim that Christ is King. We let ourselves be ruled by human things, by our desires, by our schedules, by our jobs, by all of the parts of our identity that do not come from or begin in you. Forgive us. Forgive us and send us your Holy Spirit so that we may return to the path of following Christ, of being disciples, of building the kingdom that is here and is not yet here. Equip us with your Holy Spirit so that we may be your faithful sheep following Jesus, Christ the King. Amen. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve the Lord by loving and serving one another. We'll talk to you next week. Talk you to know, you next week. You know, Alan, speaking of royalty, though. Yes. I was thinking, you know, Prince Harry, right? Um, Not personally, no. Well, right, no. I mean, but you know who he is, right? You know of him. I do. He's got I his do. wife, Meghan Markle, who's an actress, right? Um. I, I was thinking maybe he should consider going into acting with her now that they've extracted themselves from royal life and he could bill himself as the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> good, good joke. Too long of a setup. I, yeah. You know, the problem is the easy setup ones. You like always guess the answer and that's no fun for either of us. Well, it's probably <laughs> more fun for you than for me. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>